When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. I'm here with Murray McCormick, a leader post uh, football writer since 1903. And, uh, well, it's uh, quite the eventful uh, past few days. Uh, so many topics to uh, address. Uh, there's Garrett Marino and then the Riders are 4-1, and one, which seems to be an overshadowed by the Garrett Marino mess. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the nuts and bolts of football a little bit into the podcast, but... I mean, the freshest news right now is that Garrett Marino has received a four-game suspension from the Canadian Football League for that mess uh, that occurred with just under five minutes left in the game on uh, Friday. What do you make of the suspension, Mer? I don't know how much more they could have done other than throwing him out of the league. I think four games is pretty big in the CFL, considering they only play 18. I kind of like the way it's structured. It's almost... Not appeal-proof, but it just makes it tough to appeal the whole package. They can appeal the number ones. Uh, I somehow think once the CFLPA gets through this, and they've got to appeal it, or they will appeal it, it might be down to two games by then. Nothing based on just on what's happened with them. But the CFL had to do something. What Garrett Marino did on a Friday night, just absolutely, and I will use tainted the game in more ways than one. It was a dirty shot. Like, I could accept... Him hitting, except is a strong word, see when he hit Mazzoli at the legs below the knees and he drops into the ground, it's the twist that bothers me that he does there. I don't know if he may have heard him before that, but that little twist, this one, that's disgusting. And, you know, there may have been a time you could have gone off the field flexing and blowing kisses and doing all that stuff in the CFL. And some of the, uh, I think you called the mouth breathers at the Ryder game cheered that, but... There's no place for that when a guy gets hurt. And uh, Garrett Marina has a track record, not a very good one. He's a great player, though. Is he a good guy? I don't know. We've talked to him once, and I remember that interview was just one probably one of the worst interviews we've ever done on Zoom with him. He was just totally uncooperative and uh, didn't know what about it. So we kind of lost him on that. So, Rob, I, I think it's really overtaken everything right now, and I think um, the league did its best. I don't know, Rob, about you. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I I was surprised because I th- I thought I was maybe the league is conditioned us to accept or expect uh, an underperformance underperformance, but I thought uh, maybe one or two games. Uh, there was talk, you know, Drew Remenda and Jamie Nye were talking on Monday on on the Green Zone, and and they were talking about because Marino didn't have a, a track record in terms of suspensions, uh, would there even be a suspension? Uh, and uh, they made an interesting case or an interesting argument about maybe the CFL just won't suspend him at all. So with that as, as preamble and uh, sort of feeding into my uh, preconception that the league would not do anything 
even hinting at draconian to hear four games was uh you don't want this to ever happen and i can't say you know you can't say that you applauded the fact that there's a four game suspension i wish there hadn't been a cause to suspend or discipline anybody and that we weren't taking a four and one rough rider start and, and dumping it to the end of the podcast but circumstances being as they are or were um i think four games are certainly warranted uh and and the break i've the the breakdown of the uh of the uh suspension was really interesting uh, two games for the uh for the low hit on jeremiah mazzoli and the histrionics afterwards one game for a uh tackle on an unspecified Ottawa offensive lineman and another another game for comments made about uh the heritage of Jeremiah Mazzoli. So, and that gets interesting too, because if the, if Jeremiah, if pardon me, if, if Garrett Marino chooses to appeal, okay, are you appealing certain elements of it then? Yeah. Are they, are you, are they building in certain, certain blocks that make it tougher to appeal the entire thing? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see an appeal. I'd be disappointed if, if that were to happen. I, I think, I think this should just be, accepted and let's let's move on but that hasn't been the history of things like this we go back not that there have been things like this but that hasn't been the history of league issued punishment we go back to the simone lawrence situation in 2019 where a suspension of two games was eventually whittled down to one yeah well it's interesting they're, they're trying to send a message with this i don't think football players need this kind of message they know that's wrong you, you heard the comments when you saw we wrote about them after the Ryder players after the game. I've never heard players be critical, of their, be critical of their teammate. And I, you know, I asked that question. No one asked, no one seemed to be going and doing it, but critical of a teammate. That's never happened. So they know that's wrong. They know. And I have to say, I think Garrett Marino knows you did something wrong too. Obviously it's four games. So I just think, I don't think that's a message. Like it's a message. I said, yeah, if you do this kind of stuff, you're going to be hit hard. But I think Rob, We've seen a lot of stuff in the CFL. I don't think we'll ever see a, what was that, a 90-second blowout, a blow-up by him or how long it took oh, him to yeah. get off the field. Ne- never say we'll ever never see... in the Canadian football league. I know. I, I think the I message that is being sent, the that message that's being sent isn't necessarily to the players. I think the message is being sent to the to the CFL community. It's being sent to the fans. Uh, it's it's being sent to the general public that this will not be condoned. This this is a stain on the on the Canadian Football League. It's a stain on on the Rough Riders. It's a stain on the brand, both brands. Yeah. And uh, you know, you uh, a lot of people who wouldn't ordinarily be talking about the Canadian Football League are suddenly talking about it in this context. And uh, sometimes it is said that any publicity is good publicity. I don't subscribe to that in yeah. this case. And uh, uh, it's, it's, I think it's CFL sometimes is an easy target and unjustly so, but here's an example where people are looking at it and saying, okay, that's, that's Bush league. And so the league had to send a message, I think, to the larger constituency that this will not be tolerated and that something had to be done. Now, does that stick? What does that suspension end up being once it's all said and done? I hope it sticks at four, but I can't really say that with much confidence or optimism. I somehow think there's going to be more fines and it's coming out of that game than just the suspensions to Marino prior to that. I can't mm-hmm. figure out which offensive lineman I watched it and I've, a number of times fell on Robertson's leg, knee, ankle, Pete Robertson's ankle. It looks like that kind of was the catalyst of this. It kind of started all this retribution, but I'm not sure if it was Dino Boyd who fell on his ankle. I, maybe you could tell, cause I couldn't tell through my angle, but Pete Robertson, who Dino Boyd, whose name has been, yeah. 
Yeah. We all know that Pete Robinson is leading the league in sacks and is having an amazing start to the season and has just been an amazing one of these guys. You just say, man, we're lucky to have some guys like him in the CFL. I know you did a good story on him, and he's a great quote, very thoughtful. But it looks like his ankle got caught under his leg, and that's how the break happened. I'm not a doctor, and I'm I'm just – because it doesn't really – so it started there. So I think some of the red-black guys are going to be in for, for suspensions and dis- – not suspensions, sorry, discipline from the league because of what happened there. And that kind of was the catalyst to all this. And then Marino comes in and he grabs that offensive lineman from the back of the legs, kind of tugs on his leg, which looked like another cheap shot. I think that was the one he was also suspended for. So there was somehow one of the best refs in the league, Andrew Prue, Pro, Pro, sorry. Andre Prue. Andrew Prue kind of lost control of that game a little bit. You know, I'm not saying there's accountability for the players, but something happened there because Darnell Sankey posted a number of videos of things happening, cheap shots, back shots and stuff, and they weren't called. And I wonder, is there accountability for the officials a little bit in this game getting out of control and absolutely going down that to the road where we are today where a, a promising young football player is, you know, even if he comes back after four games, he's never going to be the same. He's never going to be the, you know, this up-and-comer. I was going to say, Garrett Marino, who was suspended four games for racist comments and stuff like that. So, well, we don't know we, that that's, that's, racist might be a strong term. Sorry, I mean, yeah, heritage comments. That, that term wasn't used by the league. We might 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 be splitting hairs here, but the the, the you know the the word heritage was used. It might might be a it's sort of Nate but, Bahar said that when he was so there's racist yeah. comments when he was in the bottom of a pile one at one time and. Uh, so I know I'm probably just sort of babbling away here, but I don't. I just think somehow something that game got out of control from everybody's standpoint, and Marino just went over the top, literally. <laughs> and we ended up with this mess. It, we're it in didn't today. seem like a game necessarily for the longest time that was going to unfold that way. Yeah. I mean, there weren't a lot of flags being thrown. It wasn't a game that, at least to the uh, our eyeballs sitting in the press box, it just it didn't seem like one of those games that was where things were percolating. I've been to enough junior hockey games over the years where you just know it's going to be one of those nights. Uh, the Rough Riders, who had been penalized so many times, 51 times over the first four games, were penalized only four times on Friday night. Two of them went to Garrett Marino. Um, and uh, so it didn't really seem like it was building. But then, but then Pete Robertson goes down, and then it starts building. And then you've got the mess that occurred before 55 left. We got red backs, red back blacks players walking across the field. And I mean, actually in a way we're a little fortunate. They're a little fortunate that it didn't get worse. didn't become worse than it was because the players so greatly outnumbered the number of people who could have stepped in to prevent something from breaking out there. No punches were, were thrown Harsh words were exchanged. There was some jousts here and there, but that didn't become a brawl. And as soon as, as soon as I saw the Red Blacks players coming over, I thought, again, having seen as much hockey as I have, and, uh, and remembering the 1981-82 Regina Pats, I thought, okay, this could turn into a Donnybrook very quickly. And and uh, I think there should be an element of relief that that didn't happen because if if that had been a twenty on twenty or to thirty on thirty brawl we would have been seeing that one on uh, on sports center for the next 30 years wonder why there weren't any flags though why wasn't ottawa penalized for leaving its bench to go over to the rider bench like just because maybe there weren't bunches thrown but that's another i'm just kind of watching that again yesterday yeah. thinking there's not a single flag well, for this again, again there was some provocation you know yeah. that didn't happen in isolation we, they had the garrett marino flexing you had the garrett marino putting his arms in the air 
blowing the kisses to the crowd at the same time that they're that Jeremiah Mazzoli is, is is writhing in pain. So the optics were terrible. And I think, uh, again, you can't speak for the officials. And the officials aren't even in a position to speak for themselves. But there was that as, a, as an undercurrent. So, um, you know, this, and I just want to mention a little it, bit it, of I mean, this. I'm, I'm just glad that didn't turn into something that was even uglier in terms of a lot of confrontations near the Rough Rider sideline, because it certainly looked like that when you saw that army of Red Blacks players coming over. And they had a right to be incensed. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, there's the ugly side, but there also was the human side, I noticed that. Larry Dean, who mm-hmm. played with the Tiger Cats and good friends, was only kneeled beside him for quite a while to make sure if his buddy was okay. Cody Fitzgerald ran out there. Yeah, all that's just, going on, and Larry Dean is just right beside Jeremiah yeah. Mazzoli. That was and, so classy. So classy. And Cody went out and, and papped him on the back, too, just to make sure he was okay. So there was this, the whole idea is the ugly side of football, but there was this humane side that these guys – you know, they care about you. They're friends. They're, they're former teammates. So I, I was kind of – I, I remember I, I kind of almost missed what Marino was doing because I was watching Dean sitting there very quietly with his a very good fan of his down on the field. I thought, that's a classy move. That's a very classy thing. So the ugly part of football, that, that – that, absolutely. The Marino brought up all the ugly sides of football and everything you don't want to see in the game. But there was also opportunities there that we saw guys doing the right thing. Two teammates carry Mazzoli off. Like that's just, that's out of a Hollywood script almost. The guy, one thing he didn't come back and play, but we heard, we do know he's going to be out for a while, obviously with that injury. It's not, not a torn Achilles, which was kind of thought it might be happening, but we'll see what happens with it's him. Still 10 to 12 weeks and 10 to 12 weeks. And you know, there's a team that needs too. a quarterback. Yeah, now they're down to Nick Arbuckle already. Nick Arbuckle. Uh, you know, so, so, I mean. <laughs> it has got to be something going uh, on with that guy. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, from the Ottawa perspective, I mean, that <laughs> they're 0-4. Now they've lost their starting quarterback. I mean, that could be another you know, two or three win season for the Red Blacks. The, the uh, predicament that they've been put in. I mean, they weren't going to win the game anyway. But, yeah. uh, and they're not a very good team. But now without Jeremiah Mazzoli, any hope that they had has been extinguished. And uh, as for the Rough Riders, they're they're four and one, but it just it's about as shallow a four and one as you could imagine. They they've only been four and one twelve times in a span of seventy five seasons, but and that that ninety nine times out of a hundred or nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand would have been the the discussion or a lot of the discussion after the game, and that just. But you know, Craig Dickinson doesn't give out any game balls after after that game. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no celebration. He says he says that it feels tainted, and and uh, he spent most of his post game media availability talking about matters not pertaining to the Rough Riders winning twenty eight thirteen, and that's the Rough Riders took that very seriously. And you know, Craig Dickinson even said on CKRM on Monday that, and this was before the news of the suspension came down, and before the Rough Riders had been advised of it, that they were going to sit Garrett Marino down anyway for the Saturday mm-hmm. game in uh, in. Will fill Nova Scotia. Should they add more? Should they pot add it, or should they just let this stand now? And what should they, they should? You know, that's a question I want to ask Craig Dickinson. I, I would, I would hope that the Rough Riders would look at that as a as a as a supplement to the uh, discipline already issued, as opposed to um, something that's just devoured by the four games that the CFL has uh, handed down. Uh, again, I don't know at, at this juncture we're recording on a Tuesday morning, but. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see the Rough Riders take a bold step in addition to what the CFL has done because it's it's their brand more than any other brand that was was tarnished by this. It was their victory that was tarnished by this in front of their fans, a national television audience, and it was an ugly look 
and it's not what the Rough Riders represent. It's not what Craig Dickinson represents. Uh, it's it's a flagship state flagship franchise of the of the Canadian Football League that uh, that is at the center of all this. And so there's a the Rough Riders aren't merely one ninth of the Canadian Football League when you look at the profile, and uh, and they are such a huge topic of discussion within the provincial borders here, and uh, and. So it's, 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 that's got a life of its own. And that's, that's the brand that, that has to be restored right now, not restored, but it has to be polished a little bit. Does this any comparison to what happened with AC Leonard last year? You know, his blow up at the uh, doping control, he got three games. He got three games. Yeah. I mean, it was in private uh, though, but we just, we heard. Yeah. I mean, nobody saw it happen. Uh, You know, the doping control officer was certainly, uh, in a bad situation there. That was a one-on-one explosion. Uh, it was something that AC Leonard ultimately apologized for, but yeah, I mean, he ended up serving three games for something that on the scale of it wasn't even remotely comparable to that. Yeah. It's a good point, Mark, because if you, if you look at a three games to, for that, if you're looking at three games cumulatively for that as, as a baseline, maybe there's a case for more than four games for what happened on, uh, on, on uh, Friday night. Yeah, but you look, I think Dave Naylor made a point about that. How much one game, like one game in the CFL is like 10 in the NHL. So like it's like 10 is, baseball games. Yeah, so it's know? a pretty significant, it's not a small, it's not a small chunk of the season to lose your guy for four games. So I, I still think, but uh, also, I mean, Craig Randall or Craig Dickinson made some comments trying to defend uh, Garrett Marino by on his, on the, uh, if we can't call it racist, what do we call it? Um, some of his comments about how he has uh, black friends and has a black girlfriend. And then surprisingly, Craig kind of walked those back this morning saying they were insensitive and he didn't show. What do, what do you think of his comments today on that, Rob? Did you see those? Yeah, I saw those. I mean, he. I think he did the right thing by 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 going on Twitter and, and clarifying what he said and, and basically uh, – expressing regrets or however you want to want to phrase it about that. I mean, it just, there, there's really no defense of this situation. And uh, I realize he's very loyal to his players and, and is, is as supportive of his players as a head coach ever will be. But in that situation, I think it was a rare uh, verbal miscalculation by Craig Dickinson and one that he quickly went to great pains to address, which is mm-hmm. how, what Craig Dickinson does. You know, if, if he has a coaching, if he has a strategic error during a game, he'll often point it out before he, anyone can point it out to him in the media. And so it's Craig Dickinson being proactive, as it was Craig Dickinson being proactive by saying on CKRM yesterday, on Monday, that, that Garrett Marino was going to sit out a game. And yeah. uh, even before the CFL came down and came out and said something. So that's that's the degree to which Craig Dickinson takes these matters seriously. He wasn't going to let it fester. He came out and said something, uh, in, you know, and clarified what he said and, and owned what, what he said and expressed his regrets and uh you know, the wording was certainly uh not what one would, what would expect from craig dickinson but the the accountability for it was certainly what what you would expect from him i know this has nothing to do with that how does the head coach of the rough riders only have 2600 followers okay like you have eleven thousand. Yeah. you would think that the, but he doesn't tweet very much so he's not he's not as prolific yeah, well, as you maybe you could give him a couple tips on on how to get well, followers rob <laughs> well it just you gotta you gotta you gotta tweet about your dog a lot that pretty much uh, is, you have is a, dog? a secret to it right right candy she's <laughs> sleeping behind us i don't know if um, we want to is there anything keep... else that we should we should hash around on garrett marino 
Not do you have really. a cat named Marino? <laughs> I, actually, I do. <laughs> and she's do. about as friendly as he is, too, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I can tell you many stories of Marino acting badly around me, including hissing and stuff. So, But she was named after Dan Marino. So, And I have another cat named Murdoch. We have two female cats with male names. It's okay. We pick the names for the cats. Anyway. I'll ask you at a different time. Why a, why a Pittsburgh Steelers fan has a cat named Marino? Although Marino played at the University of Pittsburgh, so maybe that all adds up. My wife is uh, a Rough Dolphins Riders. fan. My wife is a Dolphins fan. Oh, okay, why. okay. Um, my condolences to your wife <laughs> yes. uh, for various reasons. <laughs> um, turning to football. Football. Uh, football. I think the Rough Riders are four and one. Um, this hasn't happened a lot. Uh, it never happened in team history until 1967. Um, they've been four and one 11 times. They've been five and oh, once the oh. five and oh being in 2008. So, um, not uncharted territory, but it's a rare, ter- rare, uh, foray into life at four and one. Uh, again, this has all been overshadowed and maybe there's an asterisk to be put beside it too, because the Rough Riders haven't played a real opponent yet. Exactly. They've loaded so, up on the <laughs> East. The East has been, they, I mean, they, they feasted could, on the East. How's that? They could they could conceivably be what six and one seven and one. We won't know if they're any good yet. Exactly right. I mean, until they start, and then it gets really crazy. Well, you three out of four against half. BC, and three out of four against Winnipeg, and then two against Calgary right at the end of the season. I mean, they get the preliminaries over with. Into uh, well, they I think they got BC at the end of the month, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, but until then it's Toronto, Toronto. And so they, they should be, they should be six and one without too much difficulty. And, and get then, used uh, to back to backs too. Lots of back to backs. The CFL has done that scheduling that. like that. So that's going to be like they end the season with a back to back against Calgary. You it's know, it's, gonna, it's almost like they have three hockey series this season. Yeah, you know, they got, they got a series they got a best of three against BC. They got a best of three against Winnipeg. And then they got a two game total points against Calgary at the end. Um, my goodness, this is going to get compelling. It's 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 like you have to they have to you know take these free spaces on the bingo card while they can. Yeah. But again, they could be six and one, and we might and they might not be anything more than an average football team. We won't know until they start until they have a game that is reminiscent of last week when Winnipeg plays BC and Winnipeg sure made a statement, or this mm. coming weekend when Calgary plays Winnipeg. There hasn't been anything like that for the Rough Riders. It's been all East plus plus the mess that is Edmonton. Yeah. So how do you, they, they're winning the games they should win. The one they lost, I think there's every reason to think that that's excusable, but yeah, they could be a, an average team with a glittering record. Then we'll find out if, you know, if they're, uh, if they're uh, a genuine uh, six and one team. That's given some props to, to what point. they have shown, Rob, though. Yeah, I, sure. Did you expect this kind of running game? I don't, I didn't expect no. this two headed. I know you, you discovered Frankie Hickson early in training camp. I did. Yes, you Just did. Just like I discovered Key and Schaefer Baker last year. Yeah, you're, you're the scout, the media scout. But that I also discovered is... Kevin Kevin Mason and Warren Jones once upon a time. So, okay, <laughs> and Todd watch. Reesing and uh, and uh, Terrence Nunn. No, Terrence Nunn. I remember Terrence Nunn. Um, uh, so Todd Blythe was another one of my uh, for sure stars. So, but the running but, uh, game yeah. has just been a revelation, especially the last couple of games. Like the way that that two-headed monster works with uh, Morrow and Hickson has just been fun to watch. Hickson is an explosive kind of darting guy. That 63-yard touchdown run was just a beauty. And Morrow, 
you don't want to say I don't want to say he's a grinder, but he does grind out yards and he does and he pounds yeah. through stuff. And I think things are going to be even better now that Mario Alfred will start returning punts and kickoffs. These guys will just be able to focus on that great power game. So I really think the running game has just been outstanding. And I'm also going to drop, I'm going to drop another. Larry Dean has just been he's been another great reason. What a great player! Imagine if he hadn't torn his Achilles, we'd be he would have, we would have known so much about him. But he's just been. On a great linebacking core, he's been the best. And not taking, and then I don't want to take away from Sankey and Moggy because they've also been outstanding. But Larry Dean has just been another revelation in my mind. Of the, of the and guys he's a, he's a year removed from uh, tearing an Achilles tendon, and he turns 34 on August 7th. Yes, and he looks like he's 23 out there. He's leading the league in defensive tackles with 20, 28. Um, that's amazing. But I want to give some props to Ty Rogers, and you wrote a really good story on him last week. Um, he gets a lot of flack for penalties, for for his proclivity for surrendering sacks. He had a he was involved in three blocks on the Frankie Hickson touchdown. So I think that has to be noted. Uh, Natai Rogers on that play. Go back and look at it. I mean, everybody blocked ball right across the offensive line. Bruno Labelle, uh, Albert Awachi, Duke Williams made a big block too. So there's, I mean. Uh, there weren't many people on that uh, on that offense who didn't have a role to play in Frankie Hickson going all the way for the touchdown. But uh, um, wow, uh, that stutter Rogers, step he makes to the side and goes through that hole that was yeah, pure that was that was Canton Keithish. That's that was exactly Corey what I felt like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I, I don't. I still don't think Kent, uh, Frankie Hickson has the pure jets that Canton Keith had because I don't think we'll ever see a running back like that yeah. again. But it's sort of Canton Keith, you know, uh, uh, it's a facsimile of that, very, a very reasonable facsimile of that. And Kenton Keith could just take anything and take it the distance. Uh, I'm not sure that, that that is necessarily the kind of back that Frankie Hickson is, but a 63-yard touchdown run, those haven't happened very often uh, in, the last, uh, in the last decade. Marcus Thigpen has the other three. 75, 80, 82. Before that, you have to go back to 2010. West Cates with an 83-yard run against Edmonton. And uh, so before that, the longest uh, touchdown run during the regular season was 63 yards in 2006 by the immortal Shermar Bracey. Ooh. And, uh, what year was and, that? Then Ken- <laughs> 2006. And then, uh, and then Kenton Keith had a 76-yarder in the playoffs that year. So we're going back. 15, 16 years to find some precedence for what Frankie Hickson uh, did on, on Friday night. In, Look at the in, speed he showed. In a role Rick. where he's only carrying the ball five times. Look at the speed he showed at the end of that run, too, by running away yeah. from the Red Blacks. Like, I did, yeah. I've watched that run over and over again. I just kept picking up things. I went, wow, is that great? Like, you're blocking the hole. The hole he had to get through there, the stutter step. And yeah. then the He could have chosen a couple of holes. Yeah. He could have gone left. He could have gone right. He chose the right hole, but they created a lot for him there. Yeah. So I guess we'll probably head into this there. We're on the road going east, as far east as you can to play. Well, I guess we go to Newfoundland, but that'd be, that's more of a, another trip. Touchdown Atlantic. I'm, I'm not quite sure what Toronto team they're going to face. Is it going to be that team that lost by one point on a missed convert? Not lost, but could have beaten the, tied the Bombers on a missed convert. Or the same Argos team that went out to BC and got its butt handed to it in that, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it might be the combustible Argo team that uh, 
that, the uh, yeah, you just don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, it, if Andrew Harris, excuse my dog, by the way, but she's she being needy right now. I mean, if Andrew Harris has the kind of game that, that he had last week, that could dictate a lot of what yeah. goes on, uh, especially with Garrett Marino out. Uh, suddenly Pete Robertson out is out. The Rough Riders defensive line isn't going to be personnel-wise what it has been. The Riders might very well be uh, susceptible to the run there, and Andrew Harris you know, could be the engine that uh, gives the uh, Argonauts some, some some success. But still, that's a team they should beat. Uh, they don't have a... I mean, it's McLeod Bethel Thompson is a quarterback, and their 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 record is what it is for a reason. It just doesn't look like a very strong football team. Don't you think the Argos win that game if they hand the ball off to uh, Andrew Harris to go for two instead of the the safe convert? Yeah. I think they win that. Absolutely, averaging... you know, I think you got to go for two in that situation, and uh, uh, I think you got to show that kind of uh, confidence in your offense too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you tie the game, and then you're you're flipping a coin in overtime anyway. Why not just? Why not just uh, say, okay, we got three yards to win a football game, and if you can't uh, if you can't win a football game with a three yard play, with the way Andrew Harris is playing, uh, you probably don't deserve to to be in the game anyway. Well, it'd be an interesting thing. We're, we're headed to tiny little Wolfville, about five thousand people, ten thousand seat stadium. I remember back when they were doing renovations to BC Place. I covered a game at Empire Field in late October. That's when they had the outdoor field in BC. And uh, I remember typing with gloves on because it was so cold in BC. Oh, lovely. But I have a feeling it's not going to quite be that way in uh, in Wolfville. But uh, a big a big game for the CFL. I think it's uh, it brings in more focus on the possibility of expansion and more selling the game to the Maritimes. A uh, game they're hyping up quite a bit. They've got their number one crew on it from TSN, I think. And uh should be a lot of fun. I'm trying to think out. Is lobster a reason to eat with butter, or is butter a reason to have lobster? I'm not quite sure. Yet. I don't. I've only had lobster once, so I'm I'm the yeah. wrong person. To I'm ask. more of a king crab type of guy because lobster's a lot. I find lobster a lot of work for a little bit of meat. But I, yeah, I will try absolutely. My, I will try my best to uh, try to do that and try some. Uh, I love scallops, and I have a feeling that some great big ones are going to be down there for scallop eating. And I think I have to work. Do I have to work sometime? I'm trying to squeeze oh, that. Oh, you will be slave. You are absolutely. Uh, you'll be. Uh, you'll be going nuts down there. We expect, and everyone I know. We're we not expect supposed- 10, 15,000 words a day from you. And when we cross figures, my flight goes through Pearson, and I'm hoping, hoping, hoping. I've got like almost a two-hour layover, so I hope I should be okay. But it's a mm. little different world traveling, Rob. You're kind of lucky. Well, you get good to luck stay to home. you and good luck to you in Nova Scotia, and good luck to your luggage in British Columbia. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no check bags anymore. <laughs> that's that's a prudent move. Yeah. Um, we might as well just uh, get on Thank with you. our day here. I think we, yeah. I think we've squeezed this tube as much as we can. Um, so I'm going to read the obligatory message at the end uh, with all the uh, elocution that I can muster. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. It really does. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob, I believe that's me, at rvanstone at postmedia.com, and we will read it on the show. You can follow me, Rob, that's me, (laughs) on Twitter, at Rob Vanstone, or Murray, at MurrayLP. And don't send tweets to Murray Mandrick. Uh, that are intended for Murray McCormick or vice versa. That has been known to happen. 
I'm chuckling because when I read the outro last week, I read it word for word, and I said, "That's Rob Vanstone, me." And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "Well, so, I, I, I hope, I hope you sought therapy after that." I did. No, no, nobody should have to uh, carry that burden. Um, well, safe, safe travels, Mer. Good luck at Pearson, and uh, we'll we'll be. Uh, We'll be uh, nagging you incessantly for the remainder of the week, asking, where's your story? Where's your story? Where's your story? And then get the next one done. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. For the overworked, oppressed Murray McCormick. Underfed, too. I'm the the vacationing Rob Vanstone. (laughs) And uh, uh, we'll do this again uh, next week when the Rough Riders are, yes, five and one. Take care. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.